Great Tabernacle International is God's vision to bring men and women, young and old, to the knowledge of Christ and to improve their lives. We are concerned with and committed to teaching and preaching the whole counsel of God and upholding the integrity and efficacy of God's word. We are teaching the word of faith and grace to bring them to the knowledge of the transcendent life in Christ. The Faith and Grace Network is a platform for giving God's people quality and sound teachings of the word without compromise. The word of faith and grace is taught with clarity to bring to light their revelatory truths which are vital to one's spiritual growth and fulfillment in their Christian walk. We are all about revealing Christ for he is the message that we have been given to proclaim globally. We are connecting you to the word of faith and grace. Really grateful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Liam wants to go home. We all want to go home, Liam. <laughs> um, I greet you once again in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. Um, we are going to be continuing today with uh, our subject that we had started last week, which is Responsible Christianity, the Pathway of Sons. Um, before I get into that, we're grateful to the Lord for uh, God's servant, our man of God, Apostle, uh, Bishop, uh, St. Nicholas. We thank God for his life. We thank God for the vision he's given to him. And so... We are grateful because we serve towards its fulfillment and this vision is what God has used to um, help our destinies to find expression. Hallelujah. And so we um, are grateful to the Lord for his servant. Um, I know he's absent, he's not present, but just clap hands for Jesus as we give thanks to the Lord for our men of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know he will watch this. Um, so uh, we thank God for him. Distance uh, means nothing. Uh, but we're just grateful to the Lord. As we are saying, we're grateful. So we should mention those things that we're grateful for. Right. Without any further ado, we will get back to... Um, I'll, I'll just recap what we focused on um, last Sunday. We said responsible Christianity, which is, <coughs> excuse me, the pathway of sons. And I said that the Lord is calling the body of Christ to come to a place of responsibility and intimacy. And I said that responsibility is an element of maturity. Uh, for one to truly say they're matured, it should be one who's able to be responsible for themselves, for any other person, um, and or a, an assignment or task or whatever it is. Now, I'm reminded that one person, well, I think it was a teenager's or youth um, service, and Pastor Chris Akilome was asked, when is the right time to date? Um, and he said, or was it when is the right time, or... Is it okay for teens, teenagers to be dating? And he said, well, it depends what you mean by dating. And then he said, if um, 
the purpose or the aim of the dating um, or courtship is marriage, then teenagers have got no business doing that because, first of all, if, you still, if your parents are still responsible for you, it means you're not in a place of being responsible for another person. So, maturity then demands that one be responsible. So I say this to say that any person who has not come to a place of responsibility, that person um, has not come to a place of maturity. So we're talking about sons and responsible Christianity. Um, we learned that God doesn't want us to remain babies. We need to grow. And um, we made reference to two Greek words or terms. One that is technon found in um, John chapter 1, where it says, as many that believed him or received him, he gave them power to be called the sons of God or the children of God. And that term is technon, which means an offspring. And then we made reference to Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and 19, where it says creation eagerly waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. And there we see sons there is the, is the Greek word for hyos. Uh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is hyos. Angel is very generous. She's giving away things. Can just somebody... Uh, Get at her. Um, so that word is hyos, meaning matured sons. Sons or persons come to maturity. Now, First Peter chapter two, verse one um, to three admonishes. We are admonished by the apostle Peter. We are admonished to um, desire the sincere milk of the word, so that we may grow thereby. And he talks about putting away malice, strife, and all of that. And these are indicators of babyhood or infancy. You'll know a babe in Christ when they're still um, inclined or have an inclination to yielding to these things. Malice, strife, jealousy, envying, all of these things. That's a babe. You cannot tell me that you're a mature Christian and you're still struggling with those things. And so, um, there's a way out, though, from child babyhood to um, being a son. And that is then desiring for the sincere milk of the word that you may grow by it. And we then noted that um, you see a son is one you can relate to because we're speaking of maturity. And I made an example and I said, I cannot really share my thoughts with Danny. He's a baby. And even if I am burdened with something, I can't communicate it to him. Even if it's not a burden as per se, but uh, if it is a desire, a plan, uh, I, can't, I cannot share it with him. He's a baby. He cannot understand me until it comes to a point where he's matured. When I share certain things with him, he understands. And so this I said to uh, point out to the fact that there are levels of intimacy with God that we'll never be able to enjoy until we come to maturity.
There are certain things that God can never even be able to let us into because we are still babes. And that's why Paul said, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual because you are carnal, you're still babes. He says, um, when I communicated with you or to you, I had to speak to you as babes. And he said, I couldn't even give you meat because you cannot bear it. So there are certain uh, things that even when they are communicated to a child, a child will look at you with confusion. What are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense to them. But there should be a time when you say certain things, they are able to grasp it because they understand. They've come to maturity. And it is unfortunate that many Christians just are comfortable remaining at the babyhood stage. And I said, babyhood means no responsibility. At the moment, I'm responsible for diaper changes, feeding, and everything. And I said, if Danny were to be 14 years old, and I'm feeding him, changing his diaper, that's not okay. There's something wrong with him. There's something wrong with his development. It means he may, be, he may have special needs, maybe um, what you call dis, uh, disabled or whatever. But if he has grown properly, by that time, I even start giving him tasks, things to do. I tell him, do this. I assign certain things. So he's able to take responsibility. So now there are people or Christians in the body of Christ who are not able, who remain babies. And you see, today I want to talk about um, another element of... Um, we even mentioned priesthood being uh, another thing that one would have to do uh, as a son. And today I want to talk about um, servanthood. You see, in, in a relationship with a child, whether you are a mother, you are uh, a, an auntie to the child or whatever it is you are to the child, what happens is that that relationship is, is centered around them. There is no reciprocation of any kind. The child cannot give you anything or do anything for you. You are the one who is responsible for the child. And so that is how many people relate with God. They are all about give me, give me, give me because my name is Jimmy. They are babies. I need this, I need that. Lord, give me this. Lord, this, that. And that's what it's always about. And so that relationship does not benefit the other person, but only is one-sided in a sense. The only thing you can get from a baby are smiles, giggles, and goo gaga. And that's it. And they may understand you maybe when you say, hi, hi, hello, they smile back. But that's the only thing you're going to get. There is no, how are you doing today, mommy? Are you feeling okay? There's no such. And that is how many people treat God. Many Christians refuse to come to maturity. You see, you hear in the background, they are busy Google gagaring. That's all they can do. If they knew that it was time for service, they need to keep quiet, they would be quiet. So many Christians remain as babes, and all their relationship with God is centered around them. It's all about, oh Lord, I need a job. I need a car, I need a wife, I need a husband, I need money, I need, I need, I want, give me. That's, it's always like that. 
we need to come to a point where we realize that God is calling us to maturity. Paul says, when I was still a baby, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. But he said, when I became a man, I put away the childish things. And so coming to maturity and becoming sons is actually a call to putting away childishness. Assuming a position where we're going to be able to be responsible sons. Babes live anyhow. Because you see, when a child or baby is still learning how to walk, they will walk and they will fall. Get up and walk again a few steps and fall back because they are still trying to find their feet. And you cannot really be mad at a baby for doing that. It's part of the growth, their development. So you cheer them on and say, get up. No, you can do it. You can do it. That's what happens with Christians who are still babes. So they will fall. And you're like, no, 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 you, you, you're going to be okay. Get up. Don't feel bad. It's okay. Sometimes they cry. No, I can't do this. You say, no, 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 you're going to be okay. Get up, get up. Yes, there's grace. God loves you. Come on. You can do this. They get up and then they walk, they walk, they miss it again and they fall. But you cannot expect me at this my age. Imagine. What would you say? I, it doesn't mean, I, am I Okay. Many people do not want to come to maturity. They're comfortable with babyhood because you are pampered, you are cheered on. Yay, yay. You don't get the same comfort from your parent when you hurt yourself as you would when you were a baby. They would hold you until maybe you fall asleep and now it's like, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, what, you also should have seen what was on your way, you know? And you're not going to uh, take offense. You're going to hit your head or just, oh, sorry, man, it's okay. But you're going to oh, cry like a baby. You're old. But many Christians are comfortable remaining babes. They just want to enjoy being pampered. Take no responsibility. When they've fallen and they've done something wrong that's contrary to the word of God, oh no, God's grace, you know. Yeah, we understand there's God's grace. But it's not a license to sin. It's actually an empowerment to live above sin. And so, well, I know God has forgiven me. You know, it's fine. Okay, it's all good. When a child does something wrong, a baby, Sometimes I can get away with certain things. Say, don't do that again. But there's a difference when you speak to a matured son. Don't you know you're not supposed to do that? You know very well. I've told you, I've taught you. You speak differently. But people are comfortable with remaining babes. And God is calling us to maturity. The manifestation of sons is not a manifestation of babies but a manifestation of trained up sons who are able to make God manifest in his fullness, who will be able to allow themselves to be the very expression of the many dimensions of God. And that takes maturity. It's sons who will, make manif who will, make, who will manifest. It is sons who will set free creation from its bondage. It's not babies. And it's unfortunate that the church is still at an infancy stage wobbling, losing our steps, falling, and it seems as if we're like the rest of the world. We can't take authority and dominion over the devil even. 
spheres of uh, contact or even or even be able to establish the kingdom if we remain babes because you see when you're a babe you are able to bend the rules and maybe have double standards or you just find an excuse not to do what you're supposed to do and you blame it I'm a human I'm only human no 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 you're not just human you are carnal you're a baby Paul says, do not be as men. It's interesting that he likens carnality and being a man. Meaning when he says be spiritual, he says live up to the standard of God's word. Live up to the nature of God. I also had one man of God that said, when all ministers are going to come up the podium and tell people, I'm human too, I err too. He says, sit down, you're human. Let sons come teach people and lead people. You cannot in any way point people and lead them to where you've not been to. It's a lie. And that is why it said, you see, when I stand before people and I minister, I'm always conscious of the fact that whatever I do before people, it is an overflow of what I do in secret with God. It is an expression, an expression and even a reflection of my intimacy with the Lord. And so I'm even conscious of the life I live without anyone around. Because I carry energies. An energy, I communicate it, it's more than words. So if I'm still struggling with certain sacred sins, whenever I stand here, I am transmitting all of that. And I baptize the rest of you with it. And you'd wonder why some people in a church, a church could be filled with thousands of people who are fornicators, liars, cheaters, all these things. If you have not checked the person standing because you transmit this thing. So if you're going to say, no, um, I also struggle too. You're saying it's okay not to live according to the standards of God's word because, I mean, we're human anyway. That person has not allowed themselves to remove the layers that cover the layers in their spirit and their soul and go through all of that to come to the point where they discover, they touch, they relate with the God on the inside of them. And that God finds expression through them. And that is a point of maturity. Responsible Christianity, the pathway of sons. It's okay to be a babe. And I said last week that every Christian who's born again is a child of God, but not everyone is a son. You can only be trained into sonship. You are trained, and that's why in Galatians 4, Paul says, when an heir is still a baby, he's no different from a servant. He says, that, that, that heir can be an heir to a whole kingdom, but when they're a baby, there's no difference from um, them and a servant, because they cannot manage and be responsible of their inheritance. And 
And so they are given to tutors, they are given to teachers to take care, to even manage until they come to maturity. And then they can be able to be responsible of that which belongs to them. The many Christians that cry so much about not being able to experience the realities of the kingdom, it's simply because they've not come to maturity. And because they are babes, they do not know, and so they reason as children. Nothing can be entrusted to their care. We are stewards and custodians of this gospel. And so the many people you see not given to the business of God, the business of the Father, it is simply because they are still babies. Their lives evolve around them. They are the center of it all. When the song says Jesus is at the center of it all, they say, this is about me. So sons are given to the will of the Father. That's why Jesus says, my meat and drink is to do the will of him that has sent me. So sonship or coming to maturity is actually a call to letting go of what is our own and pursuing that which is the Father's burden. Many people when they close their eyes to pray, their prayers are centered around their needs, what they want to accomplish, what they want God to do for them. But as son, I laughed when I watched a certain video going on on this chubby little girl. She speaks Kosa and also English. She's so cute. And she said, but God, are you okay? Are you all right? I thought it was cute and also profound. That many times we find ourselves always, Father this, Father that, this and that, I want this. And we are not able to bring ourselves to a point, Lord, what would you have me do? What is your agenda? What are you doing now? How am I a part of it? What is a burden in your heart? Whenever I pray, I say, Lord, give me your burdens that I'm drowned in them. If there's a certain nation you want me to intercede for, a certain person, whatever it is, give me your burden. What are you doing in this season? Babes always think of, I want, I need, thank you. And when they do not get their way, it's very easy for them to say, ah, this Christianity thing, God, is not, God uh, doesn't love me. I want to share with you guys about a person who said God has failed them. They said God failed them because they didn't get their way. Babies. But you can't remain a baby forever. And so, what is servanthood? Working in the service of another. Being given to the service of another. Or being given to serve the enterprise of another. Service has nothing to do, or servanthood has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with the one you are serving. 
Those who live no longer unto themselves, but unto God, which died unto the one that died for them and rose again. And this we see in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. Service has so much to do with one being served, with the one that, being, that is being served than the one serving. The focus is not on the servant, but the focus is on the one being served. Sons are given to servanthood. And servanthood is a dimension of sonship that many people really like priesthood they're not really given themselves to. John 13, chapter 13, verse 3 to 5. We see an example of the Lord Jesus. Okay, okay. John 13, no, it's okay. The teen, the gospel, according to John the Baptist. 13, verses 3 to 5. 3 to 5, 3 to 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. And then 12 to 17. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so am I. I am. If then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in this, we see Jesus setting an example for us. And he's talking about serving each other. We see that the life of Jesus was a life of service. Inasmuch as he is Lord and Master, he had given himself, he said, he had given himself to the service of others. Our man of God once taught us and said, if you get into ministry and you think, or rather you are not ready to serve, then get out before you even start. Because ministry is service all day, every day. We live to serve others. And so servanthood, and I'll say to people, the mentality of ministers thinking that 
when it comes to uh, ministry, it's about what you receive more than what you give. They've got it all wrong. Because ministry has everything to do with what you give more than what you receive. You see, we do not concern ourselves with the seeds that we receive. But we concern ourselves with the seed of God's word that we are able to plant in the hearts of people. And once it finds place in their hearts, we are concerned about it germinating, producing what it talks about in them. We're not concerned about what we can receive from them, but what we give. So we live lives like a drink offering that is poured out. It's about serving to see another rise and come to a point where the Lord wants them to. So you are given to that service. It is never service when it is about you, but it is service when it is about the one you are serving. And so sons are given to servanthood. Babes always need things done for them. They have no capacity to reciprocate. They just take. It's their nature and you can't blame them. Do you find any pleasure? The only pleasure you find in a baby. You see the delight I only find in, you know, nurturing and caring for Denny. It is simply because I'm taking care of him. I'm giving him what he needs. That's the pleasure I find. But really, he's giving me nothing. So babes only take, take, take. And God does delight in being the one to provide, to give all the time. But a son comes to a point where he says, what would you have me do? They want to be responsible for something. They want to be responsible for something. There is no sense of responsibility in a babe, he or she is the center of the relationship. And it is such a sad thing that most Christians are the center of their relationship with God. The relationship revolves around them. It's all about them. We can't be trusted with the things of the kingdom because we are so self-centered. It's about getting that little car, that little house, that little man or woman, the little family, and I'm happy. Beyond that, there's nothing else that you live for. When we've been called to do so much for the kingdom. Serving God, what does it mean? It simply is about giving ourselves to living for God and making his purposes and will the reason for our being. So you serve God when you say, I'm serving God. It means you have given yourself to living for God and making his will and purposes the very reason for your existence. I once said that many people think God exists for them. And that's why they even have the right, they feel, to be mad at God 
to tell him what they want, what to do, when he should do it. They have not come to know him as a master and a lord. It also means to invest our time, our talents, our gifts, skills, finances, and affections in anything and everything that will advance the kingdom. We give ourselves to activities and endeavors that will have eternal relevance. So how do we serve? We concern ourselves with those things that matter to God. We concern ourselves with those things that matter to God. Now it is important for us to note this. We cannot serve God when we isolate ourselves from the body of Christ. Service to God is service to the body of Christ, which is the church. God's purpose cannot be served or purposes cannot be served in a vacuum or isolation. You know there are people who are going to stay home. I'm going to serve God by myself. No! What are you talking about? You're not a part of anything. You should be a part of a body. Service to God or His purposes cannot be done in a vacuum or isolation from His church. This is the reason why then there are gifts of the Spirit that are bestowed upon us for the profit and benefit of others. This we see in 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 4 to 17, it talks about the diversity of gifts of the Spirit. And it says, the Spirit gives for the profit of everyone. So you're going to tell me you're going to serve God in your own comfort, in the comfort of your home. But you've got gifts that are not for you, but they are meant to serve others, but because you are serving God on your own. How? There's no, it doesn't make any sense. So we are given gifts. You see, Minnie here is playing the keys. It's a gift, it's a talent, a skill that he can play on his own and enjoy it. But say he's the only one, as he is the only one who knows how to, but he decides to stay home. Who is he serving? Then we are deprived of a certain grace. We are deprived of a certain grace. So then the local assembly becomes a platform for active service to God and the body of Christ. The local assembly is where gifts of the Spirit are identified, harnessed, honed and exercised. The local assembly is a place where the gifts of the Spirit are identified, harnessed, honed and exercised. Hallelujah. If you are a part of a local assembly and there are no opportunities of service, in alignment with your giftings and graces, you may be in the wrong place. I always tell people, and I say, if I cannot help identify that which God has given to you, or the gifts of the Spirit, if I cannot see anything regarding your destiny, your eternal ordination, 
then I'm not called to be of service in any way to you as a pastor rather. Because I have to be able to see and then help you harness, hone, and then exercise, create opportunities for service in alignment with that which you've been given. It means I cannot help you walk in the fullness of your potentials in Christ. And some people are okay with just sitting down. They come into church, they sit down, and it ends there. They lift up their hands if they want to, and if they don't, it's okay. And then they walk out, it's okay. And that's when they want to do when they want to come to church. And when they're asked, are you serving God? Yes. I do go to church from time to time. And I said the other time when we were talking about consistency, the devil is not concerned about you coming to church once in a while. What he wants is to make sure that you do not have consistency. What he wants is to make sure that you're not able to maintain a pattern because that pattern would allow room and give room to your growth in the things of God. So, sonship is all about servanthood. So then, in addition to this, your pastor should be able to identify that which God has given to you as a means to serve him, of serving him. And the pastor should then be able to help you harness, hone, and exercise your gifts until you reach your fullest potentials in Christ. Anyone who's blinded in your possibilities and potentials in Christ cannot help you walk in them. They cannot be your shepherd because they are limited in their capacity in helping you align with your eternal ordination. And that is why I always, whenever God brings people my way, I always say, Lord, do I have an assignment in this person's life? And what is my assignment in their life? Do I have the capacity? Have you graced me to help them in any way with regards to their eternal ordination? Because I do not, I, you see, it's not just about adding numbers and saying, oh, we added, we counted 50, we counted 70, 100. It is pointless if I'm not going to bring people where they ought to be. Because I can generally preach the gospel to anyone. But I cannot always be, and I cannot be a shepherd to everyone. So it's not about raising members and having, and saying, yeah, we have numbers of people. But it's about raising men. If it's about raising sons. And so I concern myself with that. So a person can say, yeah, the Lord has said you are my mentor and whatnot. And I'll be like, okay, I'll get back to you. <coughs> I want to hear what the Lord is saying to me concerning them. Because no matter how much wisdom I may have, and from time to time I can share certain things with them, but if I'm not assigned to them, I do not have the capacity for them. It's a waste of my time and theirs. It's the reason why then we yield ourselves. We don't just say, I'm everybody's pastor. I'm not. It's all about the graces and the capacity I've received. And if I'm not able to see anything concerning your life and how God would have me and by his grace to, help, to have me help you get to where he wants you to or live up to your eternal ordination, then I'm sorry. 
Maybe I can be a person you talk to from time to time. Pray for you because we pray for all saints. And that is why I never allow myself to force. If there is a word called shepherdhood, well, I'm creating it today. I do not force it. I, I become who God allows me to be, whoever he allows me to be in the person's life. You see, I can have siblings. I have about, how many siblings do I have? Three? We have four, so three. I have siblings, and they are three. Right. I forget these things sometimes. But out of all of them, no matter how much I love them, because I'm a minister of the gospel and a pastor, I cannot be their pastors. Even if they didn't have churches, they went, they go to. There's only one that God has graced me with that to be. Once I had a dream carrying him on my back, as an old man that he is, I was carrying him on my back, and I had the strength to do it, and I was running, carrying him, and I was speaking in tongues. Then I knew that it's my responsibility to get him to a point. A certain point. And so as a, a, a mother would carry a child on their back, that's my responsibility. But I cannot do that with every one of my siblings because I don't have the grace. Talking about servanthood. That then the gifts that we are given, the gifts that are bestowed unto us by the Spirit, they are to profit everyone. As we are members, different members of the body. One is an eye, the other is the foot, the other is the mouth. We all have diverse roles. And when we come together, we form a body. But you see, you can be a mouth all you like, but on your own, there's no function because no one is receiving that function. And so God raises functionaries for his purposes and he doesn't put them or place them in isolation or in a vacuum. So if then the local assembly is a platform for you to harness, to hone and exercise or even identify first and exercise then the gifts of the spirit that God has given to you, it means it makes commitment and belonging to a local assembly as led by the Spirit an essential aspect in the life of a believer. It is for your own good because you get a support system that is vital to your growth in the things of God. And in there you are able to find your place in the body. As we see in 1 Corinthians 12, Verses 18 through 26. We find our place. And as we differ, I cannot be in any way be like Minister Yanda. I cannot be in any way be like our man of God. In my uniqueness, there are certain things God has given to me. That he has called me and given me the grace to serve. Him with. 
And I embrace that. Now I said, you become a part of a local assembly by the leading of God's spirit. I've been talking about this with some um, brothers and sisters, some I mentor, and they reached out to me and asked the question, is it possible that you could be in the wrong place and still be effective? Because it is God who places us in different localities, local assemblies and all of that. And I said, it depends how you define effectiveness. Because it's all about perception, really. Excuse me. You may perceive that you're not know, effective. But you want to measure effectiveness in those things that you're doing for God through his eyes. What does he want you to do and how would he want you to do it? And then you would want to say, am I living up to those things that he has said? And you may find that you may come, you're serving, you, when it's time for offering, and the one who's asked to take offering, or you do this one thing or the other, you sing, you do that. But there is a potential or potentials that you, are, you ought to walk into that only God knows and would, that to walk in that accuracy, you need the leading of God's spirit. You need revelation. So you can measure and say, this is what God wants for me. And so, you can feel that, you know, I'm not effective here. I feel stagnated. And it's only just a feeling. It is only just a feeling. And you are exactly where God wants you to, to be. But it's only just a process that is taking you through that you have to be groomed until you say, oh, now I understand what God wanted to do. So it's very much important then to say, Lord, first, what would you have me do? Where? With who? How? How can you serve in the local assembly? In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 through 18, talks about Nehemiah was burdened with the vision of rebuilding the walls, the gates of Jerusalem that had been burnt down, and it was just a bad thing. He was feeling, no, 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 Jerusalem cannot remain like that. And so he asked permission as they were in captivity in Babylon. I hope you're taking these down, so you're taking them down, because I'm not going to read them. So you will make reference to them. Nehemiah chapter 2, 11 to 18. However, if you feel you go watch or even listen to the podcast, then it's fine. But I had said it many times. Be students of the word. The same way you take notes in a lecture hall, you take notes when you study the word. So... Because you're looking at me like I'm telling a story or something. And I'm not teaching. It's like, it's some, um, what we call this once upon a time kind of whatnot. Or even a bad story. I hope it's not a bad story. <laughs> and you're not falling asleep. Nehemiah chapter 2, 11 through 18. So they were in captivity in Babylon, but he was burdened with going back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls, re erecting, and all of that. And the Bible talks about how they were able to do so much, achieve so much, build up the walls to a certain height in a very short time. 
And this was simply because the man he was working with had a willingness. They had a heart and a mind to work. Danny, you're telling your own story there. Well, he heard me. So now, they had this willingness and they were able to do much. The key or the secret there is that Nehemiah had men that had a heart to do the work. And so, how you serve in a local assembly is when you are given opportunities to serve according to your gifts. There is a point where you migrate from coming to church to be prayed for or prophesied to, but become part of the vision and mission of the church. I mean, I know we all have needs, one need or the other, because, you know, there are people who just come because I just need the men or women of God to pray for me, pray with me, prophesy, give me a word, whatever it is. Danny. And so it's okay that we do need that from time to time. Or at first we can be in need of that so much. But we need to migrate from that to a point where we become part of the vision and mission. You get activated into what God is doing in the local assembly. You become burdened with the corporate vision. You cannot be a part of the kingdom or a local assembly, and then not be burdened by the activities and the things that are going on there. You know that people who just like isolation. They can be members or whatever, they come to church, and they just like isolating themselves. There is, uh, whether we are cooking, we are cleaning, we are whatever, they just sit in one corner. They are babes. Maturity calls for one to seek involvement in that which is being done. They always seek out for opportunities of service. You know, I was hated for a very long time because I'm one person, and was and still am, one person who wants to do anything and everything for God. I can't sit down. And so people who have issues because they fold their arms, they're going to have issues with me. Because I want to do anything. I say, what, what do you need me to do? And they'll be like, you're doing everything. I'm doing everything. Why were you sitting? I'm doing everything first because I have the grace to do whatever it is that I'm doing. And because I'm willing to serve. And then you're going to have a problem with me. You have a big problem. I would sing, lead worship, get down, go to children's church, minding the kids. I'm teaching Sunday school. It's all nice. After the service, I'm counseling people. After that, I'm teaching the ministry and you introductory classes. I would do anything and anything as long as there's an opportunity to, for me to serve. And as long as God has given me the grace for that. And I would clean whether there are people who are there or not. I would be given to anything. I don't think there's nothing I've not done in church, in the local assembly. If I've not done it, okay, there's only one thing I've not really been able to do, that's ushering. Because those people need to stand, man. 
and the heels are away. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's kind of hard. But I've tried it, you know, during when the service starts, I greet people, I show them a decision, don't, don't ask me to continue after that. But if it is all about serving God, I'm there. So then in the local assembly, there are opportunities for service that are created. And then you serve accordingly. So a way you can serve in the local assemblies when you are given opportunities to serve according to your gifts, to the fulfillment of the vision that God has given. And so number two is when you are able to become a part of the vision. You imbibe it, you become one with it. When the Lord sent me to Grace Tabernacle International about seven years ago, he said to me, open yourself up to learning and have a heart of service. He said, because you cannot serve to the fulfillment of the vision if you have not allowed yourself to first learn so that you are able to serve with knowledge. Where is this pacifier? Can you put him on your bed? He's creating a disturbance. So I open up my heart, open up myself to learning, to being taught so that I can serve actively with knowledge. You cannot serve if you do not know the cost to which you are serving. Another way of serving in the local assembly, you pray, you intercede for the pastor, the ministries, the members, partners of the ministry. We have partners all around the world. And by God's grace, we've been given the grace to go beyond the borders of South Africa. And it could be something you are burdened with to say, I just want to pray for the members. I just want to pray for the pastor, the leaders. I want to pray for the partners. You also can give your time. Someone would say, I don't have money to give. I don't have this. You have time. So you can give your time as a means of service. You develop a mind and a heart to do the work. Not be a person who's begged. Do you know that a baby will be like, please take this for me, darling? They'll be like, mm-mm. Please, pretty please. But a son is always the one wanting to know what it is they can do in what way they can serve. Hallelujah. I won't follow it. Well, I'm just wasting your time. You can also serve your pastor. 
someone may volunteer in some way to do certain things. I know that there was a time there was a family or a mama who was just dedicated to transporting the men of God. Transport. So then you... The way I love being of help, I always ask, is there a way I can help? Is there anything I can do to help? I love service. I even, I'm even right through the social medias, I, I, I always put it up that I'm a help, an excellent health specialist. I love serving God and serving his people. I always want to know what can I do to empower you? What can I do to help you? Is there a way that I can pray for you? Do you need me to just listen? Do you need me to just talk? There are some people who can talk and talk and talk. And you listen, you're like, okay, I understand. You listen. Could be two hours over the phone. But I enjoy serving God and his people. We should be driven by service as sons. And always seek to be the one benefiting from a relationship. You know, there are people who say, Lord, give me a husband, give me a wife. And you look at them and you're like, hmm. They're thinking of what they can get from being joined to somebody. They're thinking, oh my goodness, the things he's going to do for me. Ooh. And, and I said, a person who's thinking about, who are more driven by what they'll be getting from that, they should sit down because they're not ready for marriage. Marriage is an arena of service. Until, and I would say to sisters, because I um, deal with women, and I say to them, listen, simple, it's simple. Until the helper in you yearns and cries out, wanting to find expression, do not want to get married. If it's all about what you are going to get from a brother. Oh, companionship, we're going to wear matching outfits. He's going to take me out and whatnot. It's going to be this, this, and I'm going to sleep alone at night. Oh, Lord, even in this weather. You're all thinking about what you're going to get. It's all about me, 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 and what I'm getting. But do you think of what I will do in this man's life? What capacity has the Lord given me to be of help to him, to help him meet his destiny? The helper in me wants to find expression because I'm ready to be of service to another. I'm ready to serve another. It's beautiful to be, to be companionship, all these nice things. But if more than anything your desire is to serve, then know that you're ready. But if you're thinking of, oh no, it's just about what I want to get. Oh, that big rock on my finger. That messes status. Ooh. Messes so so I can imagine it. Oh, it sounds good. Who it's all about you. You are not ready. Sit down, ask the Lord to help you until you are ready. Because it is an arena of service where you are submitted to another. Where really selfishness is not a topic or subject. You give yourself. Even the man gives himself. He says, like Christ loved the church. Husbands should love their wives who gave himself, sacrificed himself for her to present her blameless. It's a, a, an everyday exercise of sacrificing. You sacrifice 
You compromise. It's not about you. But people who are still driven by what I want to get, they've set themselves up for failure because it has to go their way. It's all about them. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. Many people have made it about themselves and not about what God wants. Beyond you just being born again and calling him Father, you need to understand he's Lord. And so you answer to him and concern yourself with those things that concern him. You serve your brothers and sisters in the local assembly. Philippians chapter 2, from verse 2 to 4, it talks about look unto the things of another. Do not concern yourself with your own things. You become concerned about, hey, sister so-and-so, do, are you okay? Is this, this, this? You want to know how can you serve another person. There is no room of selfishness when you are a son. But we are selfless and we love selflessly. We serve selflessly and do not stop to think, you know what, I've been so good to these people. You serve, you serve. This is how you serve God. Don't think you're gonna do it in a vacuum. You sit home and you're like, oh well. Another element, a way of serving God. In the local assembly, you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God, a local assembly, and not have yourself burdened with the financial burden of the local assembly. So you become intentional about your giving. You don't do it haphazardly, but you pray and plan. You come to the house of the Lord ready to give. Offering time is not a reminder to give, but an opportunity to give out of readiness and an intentionality. You seek for opportunities to give. This we see stated in 2 Corinthians 9, from verses 5 to 7. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. So you plan ahead. You're intentional. You know that there are needs. We're looking for a place. And there is a place that we found. We're looking for a venue. And we do, when we get to that place, there will be needs like rent, electricity, all these things. Buying equipment, a PA system and all of that. We preach the gospel using money. I've heard a lot talked about offering and whatnot. That's why I say my focus is not on teaching or telling people, yes, I will teach. And as the Lord leads me to, to teach on, you know, giving and all of that. But my focus is raising lovers of God. It is raising lovers of God who are given to the work of the kingdom, the purposes of God, that there is nothing they wouldn't want to do. You don't have to say, oh, please, now eh, we want to do this. They are led by the Spirit and because of their love, they just want to do something for the Lord. 
So it's one giving and all of that. It's one of the ways we can, you know, serve God. We can give also to the poor. We serving people. More than anything, I love giving to people more than receiving from them. That's why I'm, I'm not a person who likes asking for anything. Because I love doing something for someone. And what gives me joy is to see them fulfilled. Bettered, improved. And so our goal is to improve the lives of men. Bring people to the knowledge of Christ. And that comes at a price. We're gonna get, we have to get good camera, whatnot, all these nice things. The Lord has called us to be an international ministry. This is a branch, yes. However, we need to package ourselves with excellence. And that comes at a price. But if you're not given to the burden of the vision, you cannot be given to the financial burden as well. There are many ways to serve. But you look at yourself and you say, Lord, what can I do for you? What can you do for me? Serving God is not about that car. It's not about giving you that car, that job. Whatever it is that you want. And you shouting, I receive. But it is about you coming up to a certain level where you are concerned about what can I do for you, Lord? I'm always about what I need from you. But I want to concern myself with those things that matter to you. I want to do things that have relevance in eternity. Help me to align with my eternal ordination. I remember when I had been in Christ Embassy for some time. But when upon my coming to Christ Embassy, I think I'd just been there for, it was my second or third Sunday. And there were opportunities of service and I stood up because I knew that's where God wanted me to be at that time. And I stood up and I was involving myself. And people who had been in the ministry for some time said to me, which you must be coming from uh, another branch of Christ Embassy. Like, no, it's actually my first encounter with Christ Embassy. And they're like, seriously? And I said, yes. They couldn't believe it. Why? Because I was given, the, the moment I wanted to go to foundation school, I wanted to learn about the vision, I just wanted to serve. And I said, I cannot not serve God. I was looking for an opportunity to serve. And so they said, are you serious? And I'm like, no, it's the first time ever to be in Christ's embassy. And that's how I ran for some years for the vision that God had, give, had given to his servant. I ran with the vision, it, I became one with it. And when he said my time was up and let me here, I became like a headless chicken because of how I was running. Running because I had imbibed the vision as he had instructed me to. I caught it, he said, catch it, run with it and localize it. So it seemed odd to many people who do not understand servanthood. And what I'm calling you today 
is coming to a point where you make God the center of your relationship with Him. Do not let your relationship with God be centered or um, around you. It's all about you, what you want from God. Become a son. Become a son. Take time to ask the Lord, what would you have me do? What is your agenda in these end times? And what role do I have to play? What part? What is my part? Don't be satisfied with just doing nothing. There is a pathway of sons. This is a call to putting away things of childishness. Let us rise on our feet. We put away childishness. And we pursue. We pursue God and His purposes. And we are given to Him. We are given to Him. I want to encourage you today. If you've not been engaging yourself in the things of God and you've been idle, I want, to, I want you to make a relationship with God to be about Him. Let it be about Him. Let it be about Him. Abba is crying out for sons. He's crying out for maturity, responsible, responsibility and intimacy. Respond to that call of coming to a point of maturity. Do not be okay with just sitting and not knowing what is happening around you. You do not work on your relationship with God. You don't want to be a part of the church. The universal church, you're just okay with, oh well. You do not have any eternal relevance, none whatsoever. Anything that I do for God, I give my best. And not just my best, because sometimes my best may not be enough. So I give him the best. Whichever he appoints as the best and he says this is the best, that is what I'm given to do. I'm given and sold out. And I want this to be a generation of people who will not fail God. A generation of people that God can trust, entrust with territories. You know, he can say, I'm giving the vow to you. I'm giving Pretoria to you. You are a custodian. It's because God can trust you. Because you have come to a point of maturity as a son. There is more to God. There is more to the Christ in you. Than having to take, take and receive from him. But he wants to find expression through you. His dimensions must find expression through you. And it calls for maturity. It calls for yielding to him. To say Lord. I want to know what you're up to and what my part, my part is in it. I want to serve to the fulfillment of your purposes. 
I want to establish the kingdom, advance it. Sons are given to thy will be done in thy kingdom. Come. They are given to that. And so then it becomes the anthem and theme of their prayers. All thy will be done, Lord. What is it that you want to be mirrored here on earth? And you receive echoes from eternity. And then you put yourself in a posture where you carry out the enterprises of Zion through intercession. Because you are burdened with that which is in the Father's heart. Now it's no longer about you and your needs, your little car, your little home, your little family. But now you are part of something bigger than you. This is a call to sonship, a call to maturity. And this is an invitation and a cry from the Father's heart. Oh, how I wish that we would all answer to it. And say, Lord, I'm here. I will go. I will do. I want you to make a commitment to the Lord. Make a commitment to the Lord and just say, Daddy, I'm answering to your call of putting away childishness. I want to grow in your things. And so I yield myself to the word that will help me grow. So that I'll be able to take, partake of milk. Rather than meat of your word. So that I will be usable. I'm available and, and usable. I set myself apart for you. Go ahead and pray. Make a commitment to the Lord. You see, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a church that is matured. A church that is not hiding, but is bold and rises up in authority and stands in its place. A church that is going to be able to manifest God in his fullness. And it takes maturity. So we should do the work of him that has sent us while, the, while it's still day. For night is coming. Where no man will be able to do any work. What is it that you're committing yourself to do? Jesus is a 12 year old boy. He had gone, he'd been missing, but he was in the synagogues. Until they found him, they said, you got us worried. He said, why were you looking for me? Because I was, I'm going about my father's business. He was determined to carry out the father's business. But we live in a time where we mind our own business. More than we do the business of God. Do you even know what God is doing in the season? Are you even able to tell the times? Do you even know what it is that you have to do? You cannot be a member without a function. You cannot be a body part that doesn't function. The eye sees, the mouth speaks. Find your place and then yield yourself to servanthood. Go on ahead and make a commitment to the Lord. Make a commitment to the Lord. Allah celebrated the Jalan Selekas. And Alzadiya Sovrakidas. Some of you do not even know your potentials. You don't even know that among you are people who have given the prophetic gift. 
among you are intercessors. Among you are prophetic psalmists. Among you are teachers of the word. But you've been too focused on you, on me, 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 me. That even those giftings can't find expression. Father, you can trust us. You can trust us, Lord. You can trust us. We are reporting in for duty. Willing to serve you with all that we are. We've been too focused on ourselves. Going about our own business. But Lord, we're going to be a part of what you're doing in this season. Whatever you're doing, Lord, do not do it without us. Help us to find our place in that which you're doing. Help us, Lord. We've been idle for too long. We've been concerned about ourselves and our needs for too long. But Lord, we are coming back to you with a heart of service. With a mind and heart to work. Assign us, Lord. Awaken us to the, our possibilities and potentials in Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord for bringing us thus far to our service. It will be the end of our broadcast. For those who will be watching, later and even watching now we will come to the end of our service hallelujah thank you so much for joining us there online and we believe that you've been blessed god bless you and until we meet again keep your faith aflame Hallelujah.